There is a God, and we're not him. <laughs> Love that. That's a great message. We could end our message there today, but today I want to talk about prayer. And I love that that guy named Rudy was trying to get into the Notre Dame football team, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and it didn't happen, and then it did happen, but how did prayer work in that whole thing? We're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks together, and just begin saying, uh, we hope that you are here for the first time. If you are here, uh, we welcome you to this great church God is building. And every week it's a little different. Last week we had bagpipes. This week we've got concert lights. So yeah, this is the fun thing about this church. But the most important thing is that we're unified around Christ and what Christ is doing in our lives. Uh, I also want to say those who are listening on podcast today, we welcome you. And uh, by the way, if you go on vacation and you want to just check in with us, check in on vacation. There was a, a couple who went on vacation with their kids recently in Illinois. They were staying in a Motel 8, uh, Super 8, and they listened to the podcast. And so if there's anybody here today listening on vacation to this message, we just want to say that we hope you have a good time because the rest of us back here are working really hard. So don't, don't feel bad about it, but... Um, so we want to talk about prayer today. Now, you may have noticed that we've prayed two or three, four times in this service alone. What you may not know is that ever since this church started, five years ago, we've had somebody at 7.30 in the morning, back in the day it was 7 because we started at 8, and they prayed for this, this experience that we have together. As we came in today, you may have noticed the prayer box. You may not know that we have a prayer box. That prayer box is usually in the cafe, and if you have any prayer needs, put it in there and we will pray for those. We also have all of our deacons, all of our elders committed to prayer in this church, and uh, we have a prayer list, and it's confidential. So if you have something that you just need prayer for, you let us know, and we will pray for that. So prayer is this huge thing that we do, but what is it? I mean, we bow our heads, we fold our hands, we put our hands in the air, and, and what we believe is that somehow, through that, we connect with the God of the universe. I mean, when you start to think about it, it's just amazing it, that we connect with the, the creator of the ends of the earth through this very process. I heard about a couple of kids the other day who were praying. Uh, they were with their grandma, staying with grandma, and, and the grandma said, it's time to go to bed, so let's have our prayer. And the grandma said, all right, now you first. And the first kid was real quiet, and he just prayed really quietly. The second kid was really, really loud, and he said, dear God, thank you for grandma and grandpa so much. I love them so much. And I also pray, Lord, for a Lego truck that you might give me, and I don't know where this might come from. Dear God, thank you for that. Amen. Afterwards, uh, the little boy who was quiet said, hey, why are you so loud? You know, God, does, God is not deaf. I know God is not deaf, said the second kid, but my grandma is, so I want her to... Uh... So, so we, we kind of do that, don't we? It's interesting. They did a study recently of people who pray and they found that, has anyone ever had anyone say, I am going to pray for you about that? Or that you have said that, I will pray for you. They have found that 99% of the time when people say they're going to pray, they don't pray for them. It's like a way of saying hi or bye or good day. Uh, they also did a study of groups like this that pray. Fascinatingly, they found that in this study, they found that 99% of the people are not really praying. They're just bowing their heads, and this is what they're doing. 55% are just daydreaming. Maybe you can relate to this. 20% are thinking about what this guy up front is going to say. 14% are wishing you weren't going on so long. 5% have their eyes open, and 1% are wondering why your shirt's on backwards. So, um, you know, so we, uh, we do this thing. We kind of go through the motions, and yet we shouldn't, because this is one of the most important parts of our faith. So we're going to take a look this next four weeks at the greatest prayer 
ever written. We're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. Jacob, our youth ministry director who was up front, he comes from a Catholic background. And recently he was talking to the youth and he said, now we're going to talk about our Father. The kids were like, what are you talking about? Oh, the Lord's Prayer. Any of you come from, I lo- we should call it our Father. I like that. Now I want you to do 14 Our Fathers and 29 Hail Marys and you should be fine for the day. <laughs> I love that. So we're going to take a look at the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' Prayer. Now, if we were going to try to be a great painter, if you wanted to be a great painter, what would you probably do? Well, you'd want to study the great painters, right? Claude Monet, study his brush strokes, how he made that incredible painting on the screen. If you were going to be a great chef, you might want to study Julia Child or Escoffier, this George Escoffier. You'd want to study how they put things together. If you want to be a great basketball player, you'd want to study you know, the greatest basketball player, whoever, Michael Jordan. You'd want to study his moves. And so what our prayer for you is that you and I will become great prayers through this series and that, that through that we will be studying this great prayer. Now we're going to take a look at this prayer that Jesus prayed. He pray, prayed it hundreds of times in his ministry. And by the way, it's only 34 words long, which is very, very short. And today we're only going to look at seven of those words. Now, I said to Caleb and Richard before the worship service started, I said, you know, we're doing seven words, but these, this is going to be one of the media sermons that I've offered. It is so full of meaning. But I want to do this so that you can just, we can begin to look and, and learn how to pray better. Let's take a look at this great prayer that Jesus, that Jesus taught his disciples, and let's try to learn how to be better prayers in our own lives. We're going to look at Luke 11, 1 through 4. Actually, just 1 through 2. So here's what God wants to teach us. This is, what he, this is what happened. In Luke 11, 1, it says this. One day, Jesus was praying. Now, that's going to raise some theological questions for some of us, right? Like, why is Jesus praying to himself? But let's leave that aside. That's too big to handle today. But Jesus was praying, and suffice it to say that if Jesus needed to pray, you and I need to do the same. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. In a certain place. We don't know what that place was. I'm guessing it was the Gethsemane, the field of Gethsemane. Gethsemane was, literally means olive field or olive orchard. And that was Jesus' favorite place. I took a picture. This is an actual picture of the olive orchard that Jesus prayed in. And here's another picture. Doesn't it look like Pastor Robles, by the way? Um, and here is a picture of Jesus praying in this place, the olive orchard, right before he died. Garden of Gethsemane. This is the garden. It's his certain place. You and I need a certain place to pray. Now, you don't have to play, pray in a certain place, but it can be very helpful if every day before you go to bed or if you, every morning when you wake up, you have that very same place every single time. This is what Jesus did. Now, when he had finished his prayer, one of his disciples, probably Peter, said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Don't you feel like a disciple sometimes? Lord, would you just teach me how to pray? I mean, I bow my head and I go through the motions, but would you teach me? And then this disciple, probably Peter, because he's a little competitive, he says, just like John taught his disciples, there was this ongoing uh, competitive relationship between the John disciples and the Jesus disciples. It was like the Dodgers giants. And uh, oh, maybe not like that. But anyway, let's keep going. So then Jesus teaches them how to pray. So this is what he's going to teach us today. And he's saying this, when you pray, say this. Now, he doesn't mean you have to say this, but this should be the brushstroke, like a Monet painting. These should be the brushstrokes of your prayer. Now, the first word that Jesus uses to pray is actually not our, 
we think the very first word in our father is our. It's not. It's just father. The Greek here is pater, but actually it's, uh, the Aramaic is better, ava. Isn't that a much prettier word? Ava. Ava. Dad. Dad. Not great creator of the ends of the earth, holy is your name, amen. Just dad. Dad. Ava. Jesus said avi when he was on the cross. That's Aramaic for daddy. Isn't that powerful? Daddy. Daddy. You ever heard a 33-year-old man say Daddy. So this is what Jesus says. When you pray, say, Father. Now, he's not praying to his earthly father, Joseph. He's praying to a higher father. When you pray, you should pray to a higher father. We'll talk about that in a minute. Father in heaven. You're praying to a father who is in a higher place, a place that has perspective. It has hope. It has power. It can see things that are in your life that you can't see in your life. And then the second part of this prayer we'll look at this morning, and then we'll close uh, our text for the morning, and we'll pick up more next week, is hallowed be your name. Now, we don't use the word hallowed anymore, except for today. <laughs> what is today? Halloween. And we say the word Halloween. Not many people know what Halloween means. And by the way, a lot of Christians are afraid of Halloween. We should not be afraid. This was our day. <laughs> you know what Halloween means? Hallow comes from the old English word holy. Holy. It's where we get the word halo, holy. So in is evening. So it's like Christmas Eve. This is Holy's Eve. And in the old tradition, the 1st of November was All Saints Day, Holy's Day. And in our tradition, we are saints. We're the saints. So when you hear the word Halloween, remember, that's our day, Halloween. But, but here he's saying, holy is your name. Holy is your name. Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. A couple weeks ago, I was at uh, this men's retreat that I was leading up in Lake Tahoe, not in the lake, but around the edge of the lake. And uh, what you don't know is that my, it was at my father's church, my dad's church, Fremont, up there in Sacramento. And so it was a group of guys from that church. And uh, it was such a cool experience for me because I had, it was the first time I ever led communion with my dad. Now, you've seen me lead communion up here before where I hand out the elements. This is the bread which is broken for you. Well, this, this is, I've been doing this for 10 years. My dad's been a pastor for like 35, 40 years. And we have never offered communion together. It was a powerful experience. And somehow that happened, father and son, through this, through this communion service. But it's really what dad said to me that I'll never forget. Dad said, you know, a lot of people have been coming up to me this weekend saying, Graham, you did a great job with that kid. You did. You're a great father. And then a lot of other people have come up and said, I don't know what you did wrong with Graham. But, but he said, you know, I want you to know that I, his earthly father, had nothing to do with that. It was a higher father that had to do with who Graham is. It was this powerful connection moment. And uh, then he said, any of you fathers who are disconnected from your kids, you reconcile. You reconcile whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Now, just like every father and son, we're normal in a lot of different ways. Uh, we, we may be pastors, but we watch sports, and we're kind of a normal father son. But we've had our issues through the years. And through this communion, I, I was in the back leading communion, and I'm sitting down, and I'm just praying like I sometimes do. And I felt this hand on my shoulder. And it was only 
could only be dad's hand. It was this heavy hand. And then I reached out and I put my hand on my dad's leg. It, it was there for about a minute. Now that seems kind of weird, doesn't it? But it was powerful because there was this connection that happened through that thing. Now I know it was important that my dad said that, that he knows that it was the higher father because he knows that he hasn't been everything he wanted to be as a dad. He's been to too many meetings. He's worked too hard. And that was so helpful for me because as a father, I know that I'm going to do the best I can with my little you know, 30-pound thing of joy that I've got in my life named Haley Isla. But I'm not going to be able to be everything that she needs. And that's what God wants to tell all of us today. That all of us have a higher father. A higher father. There was this uh, kid, 16-year-old kid, who was out with his friends one night, and he wanted to get his dad a card for Father's Day, which is the next day. So he went to the store, but it was 10 o'clock, so there were only two cards left. Not very good cards. And so he picked the, the least of the bad cards, and he picked it out, and he got it, and he put it in an envelope, and he handed it to his dad the next day and said, Happy Father's Day, Dad. And the dad said, Thank you so much. And on the cover it said, Hello. And then on the inside it said, you have always been like a father to me. And the dad was like, you know, that's kind of a weird card, okay? I am your father, okay? Not like a father, I am your father. I know, dad, I'm sorry, but that was the only card. There was one other card, and I'm sure you didn't want that. That said, hey, dad, now that I'm a father just like you. So <laughs> he didn't want to hear that one, so. So all of us have a, a desire, a need for a higher father. I've told this story before of, of a young man named Paco who was in an argument with his father. It was a story from Ernest Hemingway. And Ernest Hemingway uh, told the story about this young boy named Paco who was disconnected from his dad. And, and they had this big argument and the, dad, the kid ran away. The dad felt so bad about it that he wrote an ad in the paper the next day that said, Dear Paco, I love you more than I can say. I'm sorry for the argument we had. Can we just reconnect at some deep level? And the next day, the dad went to the post office, and he didn't just see one boy named Paco. He saw thousands and thousands of boys. Because all of them wanted a connection with their father. Bob Carlyle, who wrote this a Christian artist, who wrote this song called Butterfly Kisses. Maybe you've heard it. It's a beautiful song. It's a sort of a song between fathers and daughters. Well, Bob gets all these letters all the time from little girls around the country who say, Dear Bob, I love your song. By the way, my, my mom is single. Would you please marry her? <laughs> Bob has thought this is cute for a long time because he thought that they wanted, you know, a romantic relationship between their mom and Bob. But he said, you know, I've really realized that what they want is a dad. They want a father. You and I want a father, a higher father. And I know what that means for a lot of folks. You know, statistically, 50% of people have either a dislocated or a broken relationship with their dad. So the message for you today is not that you have a higher father, but you have a father that you've never had before in heaven. Now, when we say this, we have to sort of say what we mean. We don't mean that you have a father, and when it means you say father in heaven, it means you're in trouble. That's how it works in my household. If things are not going so well, maybe Star tries to take care of it, but Dad gets to take care of the trouble on the way home. But it doesn't mean you're in trouble. It doesn't mean that God is a man, by the way. We believe in a God who is not neither male nor female. There is something masculine about God, but 
Let's not go there this morning. There's, but there is this dynamic which you're not talking to a man. Also, it isn't this big gray-haired, bearded guy who's in a throne in the sky. What it really means is we're connected deeply to someone that we can go to in comfort. I heard about a, a, I talked to a woman recently who tells me that when she was 16, she had this boyfriend that uh, broke up with her and she was just really devastated about it. And so she, she went home one day, she was crying so much. And there her dad was reading the paper and she was crying as she came in the door, daddy, I'm just so sad. And at 16, this little girl got up in her dad's lap and her dad put his arms around her and said, honey, it's going to be okay. And then they went and got some ice cream a little bit later. I don't know where we got this picture. We may want to rotate this out. I'm not sure it really fits the story, but. So you have a father, a higher father. Secondly, your father is in heaven. It's in heaven. We talked about heaven last week a little bit, but, but heaven is this relationship with God. It happens now and it happens in the future. Anne Lotz, Billy Graham's daughter, uh, talks about her relationship with her dad. And Billy is up in his upper 90s, and that, that saint won't be along a whole lot longer. But she says that it's funny. Through the years, millions and millions of people have gone to Billy Graham Crusades, right? And they all think they really know Billy because they had this relationship. And this happens all the time. So Billy will be up in the morning reading his paper and his robe and his slippers, and he gets the ring on the doorbell. And there will be a family out there, and, and one will say, Hi, I'm Joe Daniels, and this is my wife, Billy Sue, or whatever. <laughs> And I got 14 kids in the car, and I got three dogs. And now we just wanted to come in and say hi and maybe have breakfast with you. Billy says, well, thank you for coming, but I don't actually know you, do I? Well, I, you do. I was in Tuscaloosa a long time ago. Remember that conference back then? And, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, I'll pray for you here, but you can't come in for breakfast because I don't know you, okay? But then Anne says that sometimes she, she drives through the country in North Carolina. She'll go through the hills, and then she'll call up her dad on the spur of the moment and say, Hey, Dad. And Billy says, Hey, Anne, come and see Daddy. Come on in anytime you want. She says, Well, I don't want to bother you. No, come in. I know you. This is your place. Come on in. Heaven is a place that if you know who God is, if you know who the Father is, it's a place for you. It's your place. It's your Father. And Anne goes on to say that there are a lot of people who are going to read a lot of books about God, like a lot of people read books about Billy, and a lot of people are going to have gone to a lot of the conferences, but not everyone's going to really know who the Father is. And it's only knowing the Father that we can connect with Him in heaven. But the second part of that is that when we pray to the God of our heaven, we're praying to a God who is so much higher than we are, in a place higher when we used to backpack as kids in Idaho, we used to go to the Sawtooth Mountains. And back in the old days, I don't know who was making topographical maps, but it was definitely like some very, uh, very like poorly flying crows going everywhere. And, and so these, these maps were awful. So what we would do is we'd put, our, we'd put our packs down and we'd climb to the top of the mountain. And there we would see with our compasses and we could see exactly where we needed to go. And so when you're praying to your Father in heaven, you're actually praying to a person who knows your life way better than you do, knows all the stuff that you're dealing with, knows where you should go. So that's who you're connecting with. Father, who is in heaven. The last part is, 
God's name is holy. God's name is holy. I loved Bill's prayer just now. He said, we pray in the everlasting and powerful name of Jesus. No one says Jesus like Bill Geilwitz. But we believe in the holiness of God. Now, what is holiness? Holiness is essentially connecting with God. It's the high of the high and us connecting in our lives. People have asked me, what's the holiest place you've ever been, Graham, in your life? And I got to say, I've been to a lot of holy places. I got a chance to go to Jerusalem, and I got a chance to go to the Holy Sepulchre Church, the church built upon the place where Jesus' cross actually stood. Let me tell you, that's a holy place, but it's not the holiest place I've ever been. Then, when 2005, my wife Star and I splurged, and we did our anniversary in Paris, France. And it was a great experience, but that, I don't know if you remember, 2005, the Pope died. And, and I was in Paris, France, a Catholic country, and the bells all pealed, bong, 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 bong. And I went into Notre Dame Cathedral, and there were thousands of people spread out looking for something holy to connect with. It was a holy place. But that wasn't the holiest place I've ever been. I was in a, I was in a place, I was in a conference, a Billy Graham conference in Boise, Idaho in the 1970s. Now, the 1970s were way worse economically, at least for our family, than today. There were actually gas lines back in the day. You'd have to sit in line for hours to get gas. And I went to a Billy Graham crusade in a ranching in a farming town in Boise, Idaho. And let me tell you, Billy said, you've got something bigger in your life to hope for, and you've got something bigger to live for. And hundreds of ranchers and farmers came down the aisles, and they committed their life to Christ. That was a holy, holy place. But it wasn't the holiest place I've ever been. The holiest place I've ever been was this morning. In our 8.30 service, we had a baptism. And a little girl by the name of Sarah Elizabeth was baptized. And it was a connection between God that happens through baptism. How many of you have been baptized here? I'm not taking an inventory, by the way, so you can just, I want you to just express that. I'll tell you the holiest baptism I ever had, though. I was a seminarian. I was busy with my classwork. It was 3 a.m., and it was in New York City. It was a hospital on the Upper West Side. And I got a call on my little buzzer, on my little beeper that said, Baby Intensive Care Unit, come right away. So I rushed over to the Baby Intensive Care Unit. And there a doctor in a white coat met me at the door. And he said, Are you the chaplain? I said, Yep. And he said, well, there's a little baby who has literally one more minute to live. And his parents want him to be baptized before he dies. Now, they're on their way from Westchester, New York, and they won't make it in time for their baby. So would you baptize this baby? (sighs) Okay, I said. What's the baby's name? The baby doesn't have a name said the doctor. They didn't give the baby a name. So the doctor pulled the incubator lid off of this little child, and its numbers went further down, 47, 45, 44. And I said, God, I don't know this child's name, but you do. And I ask that you would be with him. You made him in your image as he passes into your hands in the next minute. 
And so I baptized this baby, 33, 30, 28, in the name of the Father, 17, 16, 15, and in the name of the Son, 14, 13, 12, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, says the Spirit, for they will rest from their labors and their deeds will be remembered. Zero. And there was a connection. Now I tell you that not to make you feel bad, but because prayer is the closest we get to baptism. It's the closest we get. So when we pray to God, what we are doing is we are connecting at a deep level with God. And so when we say Father in heaven, we're really praying that. I just want to close today's worship saying that prayer, and we'll just spend 10 seconds in between each word, and, and then we'll finish with a prayer from me. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for this day and this prayer. I ask you would speak into our hearts. So now we pray the first seven words of your prayer. We pray together, Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Amen.